Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. All right, Paul, looking good, man. Nice collared shirt you got there. This is made in America, too. Yeah, good. Allamericanclothing.com. I think I bought it years ago. And uh, Allamericanclothing.com. Okay, I'll check it out. There's one other. There's a really fun, What? oh, man, I forgot the name of it, but they make those America shirts, like, um, you know, one that says World War. Back to back. Back to back World champions. War, World War champs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, a bunch of pictures of Reagan, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I need I need some more clothes like that. Nice, man. What do you got going on? Well, this morning, I've already been to the commissary. I've already been to Costco, which is a zoo. The one we have to use over here, it's like, it's, ne- it's never not busy. Is it really worth uh, it, Costco? I mean, you got a family of four. Is it really I, worth it? Well, for like paper towels, uh things you know things other things we buy in like buy in bulk yeah like paper towels toilet paper you know the big ticket items uh you know high i had to buy some high noons apparently people drink those yeah. um like a little <laughs> seltzer drink i guess i'm like where um and then so you know some you know anthony's disposable clothing that he outgrows or just you know wears through you know like the cheap little shorts that you. that's get right there. you guys can't do hand-me-downs because you have one girl one boy so yeah. yeah, and our yeah, we yeah, they they have defined you know. Def, anyway, I'm all uh, about the hand me downs. Yeah, you you, you got to you, you know. Although, yeah, you get three three males. Perfect. Yeah, the yeah. poor kid, the poor kid at the end of the line, man. They just what, <laughs> like, whatever's left, like all these stains on the shirt and <laughs> you know shoes that are falling apart. Whatever. Yeah, but the commissary is good just because it's way it's way uh, it's way cheaper. Yeah, well, you went on the you went on a terrible day, the first of the month. That's when all the the retirees go, the first and the fifteenth. Yeah, so you picked oh, the wrong day to go. Something else I failed at. We have to get our cars inspected here, and I haven't lived in a state where I've had to do that in a long time. So I forgot that the Hellcat needed to get a new number eight sticker on it. Oh. And uh, oops. So yeah, we'll see what the consequences of that. It's probably like ten thousand bucks around here or something. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm rolling around with expired tags just until I get caught. Just register them in Montana. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I'll roll the dice. I never get tickets when I get pulled over, so we'll see. Right on. Yeah. Well, all right, man. Well, let's get going. So I haven't seen this show in a long time, but you know that Jeff Foxworthy show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? I say right. we play our own little episode of Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader with when it comes to infinite banking today. So, you know, let's see where this is good for anybody listening. Let's find out where your, your, your IBC IQ is. So IBC, the infinite banking concept, IQ, intelligence quotient. Find out what your IBC IQ is. And if, if you can't get all of these, if you answer all these questions correctly, I'd say you're ready to become your own banker. Or perhaps you already are. Um, if you can't answer all of these questions, then it's time to to go back to school. Yep. 
continue the education process and then uh and then we'll tell you you know how to get going at the end of this so um yeah well i'll, I'll start it off we'll just fire questions back at each other and see uh see what our own iq is so since uh since i prepared the questions hopefully we don't yeah. get any of them wrong i hope so. not <laughs> all right so paul first question is life insurance an investment no no it's not um certainly not whole life insurance uh you pay premium to a company for any type of insurance right including life insurance so no it's not an investment product you're not making you're not making deposits. You're not making contributions like you would do a, a qualified plan. So no, it's it's not an investment at all. Although try, some people will out there in the YouTube, you start right clicking on the the videos that pop up. Right, there's a lot of people talking about it like that. And then, yeah. Oh, variable life, Paul. You know that's yeah. That's not what I'm talking about. But it's still premium. Yeah. So whole life insurance not an investment because investments involve risk, and and risk is probability of loss. That's right. Is you know, is there any risk in life insurance? I'd say the only the only risk with infinite banking is if um actually this is a question farther down the line, but if um you know if you're trying to to uh gain some arbitrage in the short term, yeah. Um then I yeah. I think you really have to mess the pro well, if you do IBC correctly, there's there's no risk. If you you know treat right. your banking system the way it should be treated treated uh, then you'll be fine because it's guaranteed to succeed, and if you die before it succeeds, your family's going to win financially. That's right. You win no matter what, which is great. Right. So there you go. Okay. My uh, next question. Your turn. I got gotcha. you. All right. Here we go. He'll get this one right. What is the most profitable business in the world? It's the business that everybody should be in, banking. Everybody should be in two businesses, the business where you make your income and the banking business. So it's not the oldest business in the world, the oldest profession. Somebody provided um, that capital first, didn't they? Yeah, but it's- the, mon the money lender. Yeah, but it is the most profitable business in the world. So why not be involved in it? Yep. So- for, for new listeners, maybe what Dave's talking about is you could have a job. It could be a W-2 job, a 1099 job. You could be a business owner. Doesn't matter. Um, you're doing what you're doing. The other thing that you should be doing is banking. Absolutely. And and everybody can do it. That's right. All right. Paul, does IBC focus on rates of return? No. Um Again, Nelson explains to us in the book very early that this, in fact, I think it's on page three, that the infinite banking concept is a process. Um, it is it is not about rates of return. It is about how one finances the things of life. I think that that might Absolutely. be a direct quote. But uh, and and what Nelson's talking about is certainly could include financing your investments. You mentioned arbitrage earlier. And we certainly take advantage of of arbitrage, right? With with life insurance, whole life insurance. So, uh, but it's you know major purchases. It could be, you know, there's cars, there's auto automobile financing examples in the book. There's um, there's college ways to finance college. There's ways to finance anything you want. Eventually, mortgages, right? Meet your family's needs, and then eventually meet other people's needs, right? And that's what the investment stuff kind of comes in, right? 
Yep. And you answered a couple other questions. Um, oh, oops. I was going to ask. So uh, kudos. But yeah, <laughs> definitely not about rates of return. I like to focus on getting multiple rates of return because if I can leverage every dollar in two places at the same time, I'm getting returns in multiple places. So yeah, I, I, I've been trying to dumb this down to people and just make them realize I'm not, this is not where, this is not an investment. And it's, it's simply where my money, where my capital, my liquidity resides. Right. Yours happens to reside in a savings account or maybe a money market account or something. Right. Mine happens to reside over here. The money can go do the same things, right? But my, my, the place where my capital originates from is, is far superior. Or maybe, to, maybe your money yeah. resides in your home equity because you're paying a 15 year mortgage or you're paying extra on your mortgage, or maybe it resides in your qualified plans. Your money resides somewhere, but, but how I'm much control? So much interest. Yeah. How much control do you have over that money, wherever it is? That's, that's really the bottom line. That's right. And we just talked about that on a recent episode, real world example of someone that we know that just uh, got a ton of, ton of equity, but didn't tap it when they could have and, and now is in a, in a, in a bind. Yeah. All right. Um, so, and you mentioned Nelson's book. So Nelson Nash, the uh, becoming your own banker. So we will have a, from now on, I think we're just going to put that in the show notes. That'll be right at the top of the show notes. If you need a copy of that, click that link and uh, order the copy. Um, <clears throat> all right. So I'll get you on the next one here. Okay. So we already talked about, let's say, this is a fill in the blank. Okay. All right. So Dave, fill in the blank. And they're both P words. Banking is a process blank. okay whole life insurance is a fill in the blank product correct we so there yep there's confusion in that sometimes isn't there right right people mistake ibc with whole life insurance that hey this is all about whole life insurance no we're teaching you the process of banking it's a concept um and it describes the process of banking that you can do with many different things. You can do that with with money market account, CDs, sure. um, stocks, you know, asset yep. loans on stocks, whatever it may be. Yep. Um, and you need a product. Nelson, At the end of the day, you need a product to perform that process. And Nelson provides a couple of examples when he talks about you know automobile financing. Yeah, you know, and the, and the CD method is the second best best method. I think cash is the third best, right? Uh, or I don't know if it's the even way the way to say third best, but the best way is IBC, right? Not the worst. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. There's worst ways, like leasing. Yeah. That's the worst way. <laughs> yeah. So all right. Yeah, all right. You got it right. Good. Uh so hey, Paul, does IBC require short range or long range thinking? Yeah, definitely long range thinking. You have to I always use this with my with my folks is you have to have the ability to think beyond next week. And I think generationally, you know, our generation is maybe the last generation because our parents were like sort of like this, right? They 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 thought about 
retirement. It was something on their mind because a lot of them had pensions. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, now pensions have largely dried up. But I think this new generation is kind of, they just want, you know, I've got instant access to information on my phone. I want it now. It's my money and I want it now, right? And, uh, you know, sometimes also with long-term thinking, though, I think you have to think generationally. You have to, and that doesn't mean necessarily that you have, um, maybe you don't have children, but uh, think of a, a favorite charity, or maybe you have a nephew or a niece um, that you'd like to see, you know, like to help out eventually, right? There's always, there's something that you can think of down the road, I think. Right. Um, but ultimately, it doesn't matter, because you're trying to control the banking function anyway, just using this product that happens to be whole life insurance. So it doesn't really matter, but yes, it's a long-term mindset. Yep. And as long as you're thinking long range, you're, you, you can't lose. That's so. right. And these companies think long range, don't they? They don't, they're not like a, like a hedge fund or, you know, brokerage that's trying to make, you know, or a day trader, right? This is an extreme example of trying to make as much as they can right now and tomorrow. And it's uh they take a long, long-term approach so that they can meet their obligations 30, 40, 50 years down the road, hundred years, you know, hundred years down the road. So yeah. Right on. Okay. Oh, this is a good one. And this is how we, you really know if someone's read the book. And if they did read it, they, they remember this because it's a pretty big piece of the book is the grocery store example. But what does uh, don't steal the peas mean, Dave? Don't steal the peas. So if you hear Paul or I say don't steal the peas, what we're referring to, page 15, Nelson talks about the grocery store. Um, really... Don't steal the peas means play honest banker with yourself. Pay yourself back. Pay an honest interest rate back to yourself. Uh, and in fact, pay more. Uh, because this is something that you own. You own the contract. You own the company, in fact, because it's a mutual life insurance company. So you don't want to treat your cash value like a piggy bank that you can just break open, go buy that new hot rod that you've had your eye on, and then have zero intention of ever paying it back. That's right. This is this is a cycle of banking where you want to reuse that same capital over and over. So as soon as you take a loan against it, put it to work, replenish that so you can use it again. Yeah. A simple way to look at it, folks, is you would never take a policy loan against your cash value, which is the present value of the death benefit. If you have, if you wouldn't take that same loan from a commercial bank or a private lender, a third, a third party, in other words. So if, if you wouldn't take a loan from a bank, you shouldn't be taking a loan from your policy against your policy. Yeah. You know, this is very, this is very funny because in the example of the, uh, the grocery store, what's happening is the grocery store owner is a man. His wife comes in to do the grocery shopping. And instead of going out the front door and paying at the cash register with cash out of her pocket, she takes all the groceries out the back door and doesn't pay for them. That's so right. essentially, you know, oh, well, we own the business, so we should be able to, to take everything we want from the business because we already paid for it, right? They paid cost, but what what's happening when she takes a can of peas, it's gonna take how many can, like, you know, the can of peas, the markup it, is maybe like three cents. Yeah, it wasn't much. And I think he had to sell, you had to turn it 15 times to break even. Yep. Turn it 17 times and you're profitable. Turn it 
I think 19 or 20 times and you can retire early, I think is what he says in the book. Something Right. Like that. So if you take a can of peas out the back door, you you have to sell a certain number of cans just to make up for that one that you, you took out the back door. So you're right. hurting your own business. This is a funny example. I know a guy who he and his wife own a coffee shop and we went to get coffee and, you know, I went up and I paid uh, for both of our coffees. And, um, you know, later on he was like, Hey, did you, did you pay for my coffee? I was like, yeah, of course. I didn't ask for a discount just cause I'm with you. And he's like, well, what, what's the point of owning a coffee shop if I can't get free coffee? And I was like, ah, he's stealing the peas. He's yep. stealing the peas, man. And this is the way most business owners operate. I'm convinced. And Nelson brings up a, a point about human behavior is that your employees are going to see your wife doing that. Yes. And it's like, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to take a can of peas too. Right. In fact, I'm going to take a can of Lesur baby peas, which are awesome. Most people don't like peas. I'll take your word for it. Those are the ones I ate as a kid. I always liked them with a lot of with a lot of butter. But anyway, your employee, you know, human behavior is going to be a factor. And now everyone's taking a can of peas and going out the back door. Exactly. Yeah, you're not going to be able to do that without the employee seeing, and then they're going to feel entitled to do the same. Yep. And I, I almost feel like the analogy is. You know, my children are abusing their infinite banking systems, you know, when they're young adults, not re they're taking policy loans. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Cabo and, you know, whatever. Yeah. And not pay back the loan. And of course, I'm going to see that because, or you're going to see it because you're actually the agent on that policy. Like, hey, yeah. <laughs> Anthony's not repaying his policy loans. I'm like, yeah. I knew it. Yeah. All yeah. Right. So we could go on and on, but get into, get the book, read page 15. That story is there. And then if you don't understand it, read it again. And like Nelson says, if if that person refuses to to uh, you know realize that they're stealing the peas, then you just cut ties with them and stop working with them altogether. It's kind of how he put it because That's they're right. not playing honest banker. So, Correct. Yep. Okay, Paul. Quick answer. Um, according to Nelson Nash, how much interest does the typical American pay out of every dollar they earn? So. Over a lifetime, 34 and a half cents of disposable income is paid to interest to somebody else's bank. Ouch. And when I say bank, I mean finance charges to a car, you know, your mortgage servicer. It doesn't matter, right? It's 34 and a half cents. Ouch. And the majority of that is really in the mortgage. Um, no question. Yeah. yeah. Mortgage. And then, you know, closing costs, the refinance every five years. Oh, my they gosh. Move. Yeah. And, right. and it just, and it's really believable. It's really, mm -hmm. I mean, Nelson put some... You know, he didn't put all the detail in there, but he studied the average American man in order to spit that number out. And it's, yep, it's, atro it's atrocious. And then yep. he points out that everyone's focused on getting, you know, a great rate of return on the five to 10%. He used 10% to be generous of yep. the money that they're saving, right? And so, then ignore, ignore the money the that's going out cents, right? that they'll never be able to recapture. So infinite right. banking helps you recapture that interest. That's right. Okay, next. All right, this is a good one. This is about fractional reserve banking, folks. If you deposit, if you don't know what that is, Google that. You just asked you, know, you, you just asked the follow-up question to this. Now they know the answer. Oh, well, I'm not reading ahead here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine, go. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm so good. Uh, if you deposit $1,000 at a bank, how much new money is created from that? Believe it or not, you deposit a thousand dollars, 
the banking system can create $10,000 of new money from that $1,000 you deposit. Yeah. And that's just the first round, isn't it, Dave? Like you deposit into USAA and now they can, well, now yeah, it's so 10,000. Now if you, but, yeah, no, no bank is going to probably do that, right? But it's going to happen over the course of uh, the bank has a thousand. Well, they're going to loan out, they're going to keep a hundred, 10%. Using let's just use round numbers like there's an actual reserve amount of ten yep. percent. They have to keep a hundred bucks on 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 in the bank. They yep. loan out nine hundred to you, Paul. You take that nine hundred. You you go buy something that goes into somebody else's bank, right? So now they have nine hundred. They're going to keep ninety dollars on deposit and lend out eight hundred and ten dollars. Right. You do this multiple times at the end of the the cycle. That's ten thousand dollars of brand new money created out of thin air from your one thousand dollars, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is inflation. That is inflation, and that's why we're in the mess we're in. One of the reasons we're in the mess we're in, and that's also, like Paul already said, this type of banking is called fractional reserve banking. If you want to learn more about this, we'll put this book in the in the show notes, as well as how privatized banking really works by Carlos Laura and Robert Murphy. Um, was Nelson a contributor as well? I think Laura you know, I'm Murphy not sure if, are the one of the names on that, on that but, the book. But yeah, that's a great book. And I've actually had one specific client that said that, you know, Paul, I wish that was the first book I read actually, because it was really, because it touches, it touches upon, I mean, that's the problem is the problem. Uh, and the, the problem is kind of multifaceted. It is multifaceted, but part of the problem, a big part of it is fractional reserve banking. Well, and the bigger part of the problem is the public's unawareness of what in the world fractional reserve banking is and what banks are actually doing. Yeah. That's the biggest problem. And if you're really a nerd, you should read The Creature from Jekyll Island, <laughs> yeah. which is 600 pages. But uh, Or oh listen goodness. to it. It's only like 24 hours on audiobook. Yeah. It's a, it's a long book. Yeah. Shorter than Atlas Shrugged, though. Yeah. All right, All I had, right, a, so we I had to renew my library. My library uh renew that book like four times yeah with the library to to finish it she's pretty <laughs> she's pretty long-winded yeah um okay so we already answered what the, so it's fractional reserve banking all right here we go uh when you buy something with cash are you financing that purchase well that seems counterintuitive i'm paying cash so i'm not paying interest to anybody right but mm. the fact is yes you are financing that purchase, which is a point Nelson makes that you finance everything you buy. You're either paying interest to somebody else to borrow their money, or you're giving up interest you could have earned on your cash. So the idea, like right now, like last episode we talked about, I've got all my policy loans repaid, all the premium paid. I'm stacking cash in somebody else's bank. Before I spend that cash, it makes me sick to think I'm just going to spend that cash and it's gone forever. So I have to get some more policies in place right away. And luckily, I have for insurable interests that are ready to go right now that don't even have policies. So yeah, I got to do that now. Yep. Easy, easy, easy yeah. underwriting. Yep. All right. Um, let's see, make sure we get all the, the, the best questions with the time remaining that we have. What type of life insurance company must one use for the purposes of the infinite banking concept? Preferably a hundred over a hundred years old, a mutual company, Mutuals, reminder folks, are owned by the policyholders, right? Policy owners. Yep. We partly own the company, which is why we 
receive the divisible surplus known as the dividend. Everybody. Yeah. Okay. Great. So the big one I wanted to highlight there is mutual companies versus stock. Not a stock company. Got to be a mutual company because then you get the dividends. So speaking of dividends, Paul, what are dividends? Well, the IRS characterizes them as a return of excess premium, which is a good thing, right? Right. Um, you know, if you listen to some financial entertainers, they're saying, oh, they're just giving you back because they overcharged you the premium. I was like, oh, my goodness, my dude. Like, you're killing me. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, yeah, it's a return of excess premium. And it uh, we use it for IBC the way it's structured as it goes into a paid-up additions rider. It goes into PUA. So it purchases a little bit more life insurance that's bought and paid for, no more premium required, and that gets added on top of the of the policy, right? So your policy grows with you over every single year. And it also adds to your cash value as well. Right. Good. And, and no are, tax. are dividends guaranteed? Dividends are not guaranteed. However, uh, the mutuals have had a stellar history of paying them. You know, some of them upwards of 120, 130 years of without missing a beat. Right. So profitable every single year, basically since existence, almost you could yep. say. Awesome. All right. Next one. How about this cash value question? This is a good one. Uh, if the cash value grows tax deferred, how then are you able to access it tax free, Dave? So it is a fact the cash value, the growth on your cash value is tax deferred. So anything above and beyond your basis or what you've paid into the policy over your lifetime, any cash value above that amount is technically tax deferred. However, when you use it like a banker and you don't pull your cash value out or pull your equity out permanently, instead you take loans from the insurance company, leveraging your cash value, essentially collateralizing it, um, then you get to access that, that growth completely tax-free because loans are not taxable. Just like when you go to a bank, you ask for a loan. Have you ever been taxed on a loan you took from a bank? No, because it's a loan. That's right. Uh, it's classified as a loan. The, the difference between taking a loan from the bank and from the insurance company is, uh, well, is vast. But with the insurance company, you are 100% in charge of that loan repayment. And in fact, you may never have to pay that loan back for the rest of your life if you choose not to. Um, there's some caveats to that, but that's in general, you know, whether you pay it back or not, it doesn't matter to the insurance company. So there you go. Spot on. All right. Let's burn through some of these laws and rules that Nelson talks about in the book. What is Parkinson's law? Well, it's kind of a collection of of right. different of different things. Like one of them that I like is uh, you know, and I always think of I always think of the government. Um, work expands to the time envelope allowed. Right? right. So if I give you 30 days to do something, human behavior, psychology is going to, you know, tell me that he's probably going to take a full 30 days to do it. Hey, Better paint my it. house. Yep. 30 days. So um, a luxury, you know, once enjoyed is, you know, one you can't live without. And then he, I think he brings up that, you know, having air conditioners in your car, I think. Right. You, yeah, you definitely can't go it? without that now. Oh, yeah. Or in your house, even in up in Minnesota. I mean, it was it's been hot there this year, yep. right? Yep. Um, 
So things that's basically Parkinson's law. I, yeah. He might have he ties it to several different things, but those are yeah. two. That and financially, how about financially regarding like income and expenses? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, as your income goes up, so do your expenses because you just keep buying more, you know, more luxuries. Like oh, I have I need Netflix and Hulu and right. YouTube TV and NFL season ticket and you know whatever else. Yeah. And that's why people continue to make more money yet never seem to get ahead because they haven't conquered Parkinson's law. Yeah. Where because expenses rise to meet your income. That's right. So you got to conquer Parkinson's law if you want to be become your own banker and you want to be successful financially. Right. If IBC is not for people who aren't saving money. Yep. And in, in develop that behavior. Develop that behavior and then you can do IBC. But you cannot do IBC is not a a uh it's 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 not going to fix that problem i guess just yeah. to put it simply right okay Ooh, what about uh willie sutton willie sutton what's willie sutton's law well willie sutton if you don't know folks was a bank a famous a very famous bank robber and i actually heard a reference to him not too long ago and i was really? like hey willie sutton cool um Willie Sutton famously said, uh, you know, they asked him, why do you, why do you rob banks? And he's like, well, that's where the money is. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. So. So wherever the money is, somebody will try to come in and take it. That's right. And that somebody and is typically IRS, the government. Yep. Right. Lawsuits. IRS is the biggest one, obviously. The biggest one is the IRS, of course. So, and, and infinite banking protects you through the product of whole life insurance by, uh, essentially it's protected from. The IRS protect from creditors, protect from bankruptcy in many yep. states, not all states. Um, so there's a lot of protection that comes with that. That's right. Yeah. How about the golden rule as Nelson was the context he had in the book? That's yes, the to. golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. That's right. So all you got to do is follow the money back through history and you'll see who are the real lawmakers in any country. It's, it's it's the people who hold the money, not the actual politicians. That's right. Yeah. And uh, one of our favorite sayings is, hey, the banker can do what he wants. That's right. Yeah, James always says that. I like that. Yeah, we stole it from James. Yep. Yeah. The banker so, can do whatever he wants. Yeah, if you if you hold the gold, you get to make the rules. You know, like Paul and I make the rules when we lend out our, our capital. As uh, you know, private lenders, we we make the rules. But Take don't be like it. First National Midland or whatever the name of the bank was out there. <laughs> yeah, they stole the they stole the peas and big time, big time. Yeah, yep. And and you know the the depositors got left holding the bag. Yep. All right, um, Paul. Since Infinite Banking uses life insurance, shouldn't we treat this like? any other kind of insurance where we want the most death benefit possible and pay the least amount of premium possible. Yeah, it seems logical, doesn't it? That's why people buy term. Yeah. Is they're buying pure death benefit. It's cheap. The reason it's cheap is because it's one, it has no financial value. It has no, it has no cash value. It 98% or to 99% of the time, it, it actually doesn't have a future value either. Very important. Which is why it can't be used, uh, you know, for leverage or anything like that, right? right. So, um, so no, we kind of flip that upside down. We're trying to pay as much premium as we can for as little death benefit as we can. That's where the paid-up editions riders come in. They don't purchase as much death benefit. They purchase term death benefit. Um, 
I probably just confused a bunch of people. So sorry. Yeah. But, but if, yeah, right. So if this is uh, completely new to you, you don't understand this part, then it's time to, to go back to school, get in the book, yep. become your own banker and understand why you would want to fund as much premium and get as little death benefit as possible. That's right. That's yeah. right. And you, I mean, by all means, you can have a vanilla whole life policy that has no PUA rider, um, but it's not going to have any early cash value either. So anyway, that's a little bit, that's a little off topic, but just that's how the, the mechanics of it are. But no, I want to pay as much premiums as I can. And uh, I don't want to max out my death benefit, you know, right out of the gate, maybe because, you know, I want to be able to pay more premium later. Right. Which um, means you need more, more death benefit available to get another policy. Right. To and that's capital towards that kind of becomes the argument against extreme policies that have so much PUA and so much term, you, you know, and then someone finds out that they want to they have the ability to pay triple the premium five years later because their business grew or something. And now they can't. Maybe, right. Uh, because they bought so much term. So, yep. Anyway, so little thing called human life value. You're only worth so much. That's right. In the eyes of the uh, the underwriters. So. OK. All right. Now the final and um, maybe most important question, what is the process to actually becoming your own banker? Anybody out there who's not act, like acting as the banker right now, what's the process? Step one for us is you got to read the book, Becoming Your Own Banker, written in 2000 by R. Nelson Nash. It's requ required reading for us to be, uh, to participate as, as one of our, one of our clients, one of our growing list of outstanding people that we work with. Uh, but you've got to read it and you want to read it because it's going to provide the context and the understanding that you need to know what's going on, to know what the problem is. And then once the problem is defined and you understand the problem, the solution will be so obvious. You're going to be like, how much premium can I pay? I'm, I'm all in. Um, so that's that's step one. Read the book. Okay. And step two. Step two, find an IBC practitioner. So an IBC practitioner, somebody who has been through Nelson's course is part of the Nelson Nash Institute, who has been taught and trained by Nelson and his representatives to, to do infinite banking, set up policies, coach people in the way that Nelson um, discovered is, is the right way to do it. That's so, right. you know, luckily, Paul and I are both IBC practitioners. There's a whole list of IBC practitioners, maybe one right down the street from you, but um, we would love to work with you. So get a hold of us through the the email in the podcast and we'd be happy to work with you. Yep. And you never know. He could be literally right around the corner. Like Dave and I's <laughs> newest client uh, lives in my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yep. Right around the corner. Yeah, that's funny. Which is and so found funny. us through yeah. the podcast. So yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Well, all right, everybody. Uh, hopefully you're smarter than a fifth grader. When it comes to IBC, if not, go back to school, get learned, and then get a hold of us. That's so, right. All right. Well, hey, enjoy the week. And until next time, control your capital. Or somebody else will. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at theibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.